blimey! And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast <laughs> about speedy race cars. That is a, a British minced oath, which I had never heard Excuse of before. Excuse me? Which is a, it's a phrase that you can use to blaspheme without being explicit. A minced so like, oath? Jiminy Christmas. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, like sock cocker. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it is a minced oath for God blind me. Oh, really? Which I never knew. So thank you, Shift F1, I guess, for giving me a reason to look up that etymology. Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Good. Sorry for, if you had any children watching, listening to the first couple of seconds of this. The Irish guy sounded off with a curse word. But I'm just so full of energy because what happened? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We're going to spend this whole podcast talking about one corner. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, very excited to dig into this weekend. Yeah, there is a lot to cover. Not only that incident that Danny referred to, but we had our first <laughs> sprint. Sprint. What do we call it? Yeah, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is it <laughs> sprint? Sprint qualifying? Sprint. It's not sprint race, apparently. But like, no. I mean, that was a, that that was was a race. A, that was a weird was a thing that they were being needlessly arch about. Like, it's a totally. sprint race to set the grid. Like, who cares? Um, yeah, like, they do it in F2. I don't know why do they're not, so picky. Yeah, I don't understand why they're pretending like, I guess we can't call it a race unless the FAA made some sort of absurd directive. But like, cars are racing for position. <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed I wonder to call if- it. I wonder if you call it a race, does that like suddenly mess up contracts or something? You know what I mean? Like Lewis oh. Hamilton is signed for 23 races this year. <laughs> and it's like, oh, a race. I guess they got another $4 million. I don't know. You know, who knows? It's probably some pedantic reason. That's a good point. Uh, one, one thing we kind of neglected to mention um, ahead of it is that because of the reshuffling of the weekend schedule, their cars are really getting a third of the practice time. That they normally get. Yeah. Um, well, a third of the real the practice race. time. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so we had uh, the very first session was free practice one, and that's an hour, and then qualifying after that. So usually you get three hours before qualifying, before you have to lock your car in Park Ferme, which happens before qualifying. And that's a rule we don't really talk about very often, but Park Ferme is, is um, if, if your car is in Park Ferme, it means you can't modify it. So generally, the cars go into park for a before qualifying and remain that way until the end of the Grand Prix, which is it's done to force the teams to present a car that works in all sessions rather than, say, stripping it down for qualifying and then having a totally different car in the race. Um, so we had qualifying and then we had free practice two, And it, the car doesn't really come out of park for for that. So. You can do like minor adjustments, but really it's more of like a test run for your race pace with heavy fuel is what it has kind of turned into. So in all or in, in you know, for all intents and purposes, free practice one is kind of it, uh, which is wild. And it's like now that we've d- see, this is the problem with doing something like this is that like now that we've done this, it's like, oh, we only really need one practice session because everyone else is just all the teams are so good at setting up their cars that like, you know, what do we really need? Free practice two and three, four. Yeah, kind of at least in the sort of we're in the final year of a specific era. So they're, they're pretty good at dialing these cars in. Obviously, the thing about practice is that often they will do 
you know, race pace practice later in the weekend, uh, usually during a time of the day that is more akin to the race, uh, that type of thing. So they usually have different sessions for different things. Um, and on, also the length of the track helps here. Like if you were the smaller circuits, they tend to have a bit more trouble um, all finding spots for practice. Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see them jump straight in. And some of the F2 drivers were like, oh yeah, I'm used to this. This is exactly how we used to do it in F2. Let's go. <laughs> right. So... Just to recap quickly, we'll have qualifying to set the grid for the sprint. And the result of the sprint is how they'll start the race. And also, there are points, some points, for the sprint. Right. But for qualifying, Hamilton got not pole position. He got... It's interesting. On (laughs) F1's YouTube channel, it says, watch... You know, they they do like, here's the pole lap of whoever, you know, went fastest in qualifying. This one says, uh, watch Lewis Hamilton's P1 lap from qualifying. (laughs) Um, Uh. Anyway, he got fastest in qualifying and was absolutely blitzing the final Q3 lap. And in the final sector, overcooks it and does this sweet looking drift around a corner, uh, which left it open for Verstappen, but... Verstappen ultimately couldn't beat Hamilton's first run and uh, starts in second. Uh, then we've got Botas, Leclerc, Perez in fifth, Norris, Ricardo, uh, George Russell in eighth. Yeah, that's got actually we're talking about for cheer. one second. Um, also, did yeah. you notice that he went counter strategy to everyone else and did a run in the middle of Q3 when nobody else was out? He waited till everyone else was like on their cooldown lap. Oh, funny. Uh, and then drove out in basically like it was a very dramatic moment made for a great t- TV moment because like he's driving out there basically solo uh, while the crowd is cheering. But <laughs> both to get into Q3 uh, with with his run at the end of Q2 and um, his Q3 run, he really didn't like he tr- like Williams put him in empty traffic and uh, he basically Q3 only works out so that you can do two hot laps, right? That's generally how it works out. Um, He sort of took the position of, like, just going to go when no one else is out there, going to get one shot to do it. Uh, It seemed to work pretty well. Um, And it's something I've sometimes wondered why more people don't try, given all the angst around, uh, like, traffic placement. Um, And maybe it only really makes sense if you're if you've got like kind of an underperforming car, overperforming car like the Williams uh, that's like super aero sensitive. But still, Mm -hmm. I was like, it seems to kind of be an interesting proof of concept for uh, for like just trying to avoid traffic as much as possible, even if it means you get fewer shots. Yeah, it does lock you into that that one shot instead of two. And maybe not in this track, because as we said, like. Verstappen really didn't improve that much on a second run. Hamilton didn't at all. So maybe this is one of those tracks that doesn't improve as much uh, throughout a session. Because sometimes, you know, you get a drastic improvement from, you know, as the track rubbers in from the first run to the second. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Be interesting to watch. See if he keeps that up at other tracks. Um, But yeah, he qualified eighth. Uh, Then we have Sainz and Vettel rounding out the top ten. Then Alonso, Gasly, Ocon, Giovinazzi, Stroll in 15th, Sunoda, Raikkonen, Latifi, Schumacher, Mazepin. And there we go into the sprint. Do we want to talk about what happened in the sprint and then have our impressions of it? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. I'll take the first lap. Um, sh- Sure, I'll take... Or yeah, do you have notes for the first lap? 
Yeah, I mean, it starts off with Max Verstappen's. You've got a lot of starts fire. to carry this. This I do. Episode, that's Danny. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll see about some of the ones in the race. Um, yeah, it starts off with Verstappen's uh, brakes on fire, which is um, never necessarily a great sign. But um, perhaps uh, he had them, you know, at a at a good temperature for the start because he got a great uh, getaway and uh, managed to um, uh, get ahead of Hamilton. Um, entering the 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 first turn, um, Abby. Um, they had a great little battle through, uh, you know, entry down uh, the straight towards Brooklands. It was a real like toe to toe. Hamilton trying to find the line around Verstappen. The the, the crowd in Silverstone, you know, we're just not used to seeing them. Uh, crowds this big. Uh, I guess we had some in Austria, but like not at this scale. All screaming uh, for Hamilton to make the move. Um, he gets a good exit on Woodcott, and he's down the old straight. It towards cops uh tries to get alongside verstappen kind of does so but a little bit late um on the outside of the turn and attempts to make the overtake happen but verstappen has the line and then he's basically away once he goes through maggots and beckets which is where the red bull has its advantage which is fast cornering not necessarily on the straights um you know by the time he's down to the hangar straight and stow he is made up a significant gap on Hamilton. So it, it looked like that was kind of where at least the first lap was lost for Lewis. Um, not a great start, but also just not getting the job done before that particularly fast uh, double turn section at the, the back of sector two. Yeah. Um, and that does have a bearing in, uh, in the race, I think, uh, which we will get to. Um, Alonso, though, had an amazing start. So as we mentioned in the last episode, uh, because there are different tire rules uh, as a result of the sprint. So everyone gets to choose whatever they want to start on for the sprint and the race, instead of being beholden to whatever you used in Q2 uh, for the top 10, at least. Um, So uh, Alonso started on the soft tire when Almost everybody else, eh, there's maybe a handful of people that started on the soft, uh, started on medium, and he shot up six places on the opening lap. Uh, I will link in the show notes uh, his onboard. It is really cool to watch. Um, we had a spinner at the back, too. Mazepin tagged uh, Schumacher. Lucky he didn't take him out, actually. It was a front, front left, rear right, one of those ones on the turn, and... Yeah, I think that was on the first turn, actually. Them rowdy so. house boys is added again. <laughs> uh, the two, the, the, well, I don't know if they're both large adult sons. I think Mezepin definitely uh, is a, a large adult son. Um, yeah. Also, we, we got to talk about, because I, I think this is, I had been curious, uh, now that we're out of Austria, um, I was, I've been wondering, is the FIA going to continue sticking by its standard of officiating? And we had the whole Russell and signs uh, coming together. And that was a, when I saw it in real time, I was like, I don't know. It seems pretty racing incidenty to me. Um, you can sort of see that Russell is checking up in traffic signs is out there. Uh, visibly, like in his eye line, it's a wide corner. Uh, you can see him up to his right, and Russell just goes wide. Uh, doesn't appear to have the grip to cut more of a shallow angle to leave signs uh, space, and uh, ends up sort of shoving him off the track. 
and uh, really kind of wrecking a good portion, uh, the early stage of a sprint race, uh, though, we had, though we had a good recovery drive. And I was surprised when they were like, we're reviewing it. And I was definitely surprised after the fact when they handed down the penalty. And initially I was like, I don't know about this, but I kind of like, I have to say they are continuing to, they're standing by the standard they appear to be enforcing. Uh, the, mm. They set in Austria um, and it might be, it, it, it can seem a little bit ticky tacky, but when I watched it in replay, like, Russell did know he was out there. Like he, he did come in a little bit hot. Uh, I don't know. It was, what, what did you guys make of that? Cause when I watched that incident in real time, it seemed, it seemed really minor was the other thing. Like just not to say minor, but it was, uh, yeah, I think, I think the reason why is it was a clear error. It was an error on Russell's part, which ended up, you know, significantly, you know, in impacting another car so i think to me it was the fact that it wasn't like they were racing and at like a you know they he chose a line or he did a, a move a racing move to me this was just like oh he he came in too hot lost it and then as a result sort of took someone out almost you know what i mean it felt like one of those ones so uh, to me that felt more like in the spirit of penalizing someone for kind of screwing up you know what i mean yeah and it's you know, something that we'll <laughs> we'll talk about at length uh, a little bit later. But yeah, we're talking you know, around stuff here. <laughs> yeah, you well, know, it's, it's definitely like uh, the the grid will remember that uh, kind of <laughs> type moment where it's yeah. like, uh, yeah. oh, if you thought if you thought this one lap one incident uh, was gonna was a tough call, just wait. Uh, but Drew, yeah, you're like saying he, yeah, he did not, of course, mean to drift into signs and punt him off, but he did knowingly in the eyes of the stewards put himself in a situation where that could have happened and it did i think for me it was when i saw the replay and like signs so clearly out there um like on the outside line that it wasn't one of those like he he probably knew he needed to check up a bit more than he did and yeah like it, it went bad but it's just an interesting standard uh that they're upholding and once i'd seen the replay like i didn't hate it like i felt bummed for george but i was mostly like damn they are continuing to take this attitude that like we will parachute into these like racing moments and make these calls about like well here's what we think should have happened um and i think that's going to be a super interesting thing to discuss in 20 seconds yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting to, this is why these incidents and racing in general is interesting because if they hadn't touched and everything else remained the same, no penalty would be applied, right? Yeah. Like even in, you know, I don't know, American football, when you do a penalty and the play doesn't, it doesn't impact the play at all, it's still a penalty, right? Well, it's interesting. Actually, it almost feels a bit like in American football, there's all those things that they don't really call. Like um, officials don't really pay too close attention to what happens in the mosh pit of the line, right? Like the, the, the <laughs> argument that he's holding on every play. Um, this is a yeah. bit as if the officials started being like, no, man, we're not seeing enough uh, like pass rushers get to the quarterback. So now we're going to call holding really aggressively because it's better for the. And this is the thing, like mm. all sporting rules are kind yeah. of about fairness, but they're also really about like exciting competition. 
And so, yeah. like, sometimes you can pass a new rule. Sometimes you can just change how you enforce existing rules. This seems to be what the uh, what the officiating is doing in F one. And um, I think I think it's given some good racing. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, that's lap one of the sprint. Lap five, Perez oh. is following behind Norris, uh, who's in sixth, um, through a turn and just loses it and spins off the track, stopping just short of the barriers and avoiding a, uh, a safety car here, which would have been really interesting in a sprint race, I must admit. Um, but yeah, Perez uh, drops to the back of the field. Um. One lap later, Norris gets by Alonzo for fifth place with a great move into a right-hander. Uh, and a few laps later, Ricardo then gets around Alonzo for sixth place. Alonzo tries to fight back and retake the place, but those soft tires that he's on are just not holding up like the mediums are. Mm. Um, still, I think he was pretty pumped with uh, with the result. Yeah, Ricardo's um, goal, he said, coming into this weekend was getting top five because he has not had a top five finish so far this year. Yes, and he will start just outside of it in sixth. Here's the race grid. Pole position goes to Max Verstappen. Uh, behind him, Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas in third, Charles Leclerc in fourth, then the McLarens of Norris and Ricardo. Alonso finished seventh, or will start the race seventh. Uh, Vettel in eighth, Ocon in ninth, Signs in tenth, uh, despite going off track there. Um, Gasly, 11th, Russell, 12th. Russell, though, as you mentioned, Rob, did get penalized three grid places. I was for so close. I was so close. What did I say last week? What did I say last week? I said my you- prediction for the weekend was Russell gets top 10, but it's in the sprint, so he doesn't get points. I was so <laughs> close. Uh, so he'll start 12th, Raikkonen in 13th, Stroll in 14th, Giovinazzi in 15th, and then we've got Sunoda, Latifi, Schumacher, Mazepin, and Perez starting from the back. Perez also required to start from the pit lane because uh, his car was modified whilst under Park Ferme conditions. Yeah, they pulled him in on the last lap. He was basically like in no man's land. Then they went, oh, pit it, pit it. Don't finish. Don't cross the finish line. Like, Yeah, do you it. want to explain that? Yeah, I guess the the I, I wasn't exactly sure because of the the rules around the sprint and all that sort of stuff but i figured what was going on was that if he finished the race he would they would not be able to modify his car leading up to i know they take the cars out of park for me for practice too that's happening in the afternoon is that what when that happens after the sprint i think because the sprint I mean, was it's, in the morning it's like a soft take out of park for me because you can't really modify big stuff okay you can but do I bits think and the bobs rule, i think this is like you if you don't finish the Grand Prix, you can like repair damage without yes. it being without it tripping Park for May rules. But I, I guess they they it went must even be. further because than if, that. Yeah, because if you crash during qualifying, for instance, yes, of course you you'll have to start from the pit lane. But obviously you're gonna fix the car. So and yeah. in fairness, like I don't know exactly what the soft rules around this. Like, could you just pull in a normal car and start doing that stuff? Probably not. But Paris's crash actually he was he was kind of lucky he didn't bin it because he he exited. Yeah. Um, I guess it was Beckett's was it uh, at super fast, but kind of reminiscent of that Kimi Raikkonen crash a couple of years back on that straight, uh, on the hangar straight. But the um, he was lucky that he actually I guess collected it before he hit the wall there because there wasn't exactly there's no runoff really there. You know what I mean? It's right. just grass and a wall. Like he so. skipped over some gravel into the grass. Yeah, so uh, thankfully it slowed him down at least enough, and he kind of entered entered at the right speed. But yeah, that that I guess helps him 
you know how much does it help him starting last in Silverstone it's not exactly a great circuit to be last in it's not the type of circuit where you eat up places it's long and it's fast so it's hard here you know to to really get back but I guess that was the best of a of a bad loss they had yeah and Red Bull is um you know uh something they do a lot is split strategies so oh uh, just quick interjection love the post-race ritual load these guys on the back of a flatbed Drive them around the track, interview yeah, them while weird. they go. Was we got, weird, we got the, but weirdly, weirdly compelling. Uh, yeah, the little uh, laurel wreath that they they draped <laughs> over uh, Verstappen was great. Um, they they drive around, they 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 wave like the Pope or the Queen uh, to the <laughs> to, to the crowds. Also, like I think having the long like these guys are kind of have have nowhere to go. I think we did get some slightly more frank. I think we got a really frank email yeah. from uh, email uh, interview with <laughs> Hamilton, <come> later. <laughs> where he was just like, "Man, uh, I don't know. We look pretty cooked. Uh, I don't know how we're gonna do it. Um, I guess he came with some solutions overnight." But uh, yeah, weird, weird little post race interview thing. But didn't hate it. Yeah, Button, Button's not trip. the best. I feel like as well. He's he's kind of a bit of a company man with his questions. I think he's, Button doesn't you know, want to ask drivers that he wouldn't have wanted to ask. Like I think he evades. That's the other thing. Is <laughs> yes, like yes. He's like uh, I'm going to talk around the obvious things because yeah. I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, I I also really liked. Um, do you think? the sprint is going to be like their testing ground for graphics and stuff because they did this thing where from uh i think it was ricardo's onboard maybe norris's onboard looking ahead at alonzo and they did this tracking thing where they like highlighted alonzo's wheels and then put his name above his car as oh, it yeah. was moving around yeah. and it 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 looked solid they do something similar to moto gp but it's there's this kind of uh it's a little wonky and this I don't know. Did it, it seem good. to change the frame rate though on that camera? Like when that graphic was up, something about like the movement of the so I reckon image looked what's, weird. I reckon what's going on there is because because tracking shots like that or like motion graphics to track generally into like they're processing right. There's some there's some AI going on in the background. So I wonder if there's a slight delay on that feed and what's happening is it's like interpolating frames or something based because it's trying to attach to that thing in like it's kind of hard because it's like a fish eye and it's the lowest point mm-hmm. of the fish eye so yeah rob i wouldn't be surprised if there's like a if it looks like a variable frame rate because it's like it's basically in real time doing a like a motion graphics track which is pretty cool like it's yeah it's i was neat. impressed yeah um but yeah that that was the sprint uh capital s it's got its own logo and everything what did you guys cool think of this? That uh, uh, like uh, so. The question for me is, I guess, uh, like we said last week, it's going to take a couple of these to have a really sort of good answer to that. Yeah, uh, you know, right off the bat, I want the hot takes. The hot take for me is that one of the coolest things of recent years was me getting into Formula Two and Formula Three because it made race weekends way more like plump like full of racing action i got to watch qualifying on a saturday and i also got to watch a bunch of races of other drivers on that same circuit and it was like that's cool and i think this is doing the same thing where instead of practice sessions which you know i'm sorry i've been watching sport for a while now i watch the highlights with practice sessions i don't sit down and watch the practice sessions it's like you know it's not not what happens anymore 
Whereas this thing is great. It means on Saturday, I got another race. It's not too long. It's, you know, it's it's a taster. It's a it's a nice appetizer. So I liked it. I thought it did create interesting scenarios. Uh, they were fighting. They definitely didn't fight much for the final third of the for the race. They kind of slotted into their spots. And uh, are we happy? You happy? I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm not going to go near you. Are you happy? Yeah, we're good. Okay, we're cool. <laughs> um, but like, sure, like that. that's that's I'm OK with that. I think it was cool to have a couple of battles at the start of that race um and also there's there's also the unknown right what can happen during one of those races that was unforeseeable like tire damage or car damage and we saw a bit of that with Perez we saw him make a mistake or something happened to the car I'm not quite sure it's a weird place to lose the car um and it basically you know ruined his entire weekend obviously we don't want to see that necessarily but like unforeseen consequences of them racing hard is is part of this is the question mark and for me yeah i i'm looking forward to the next one yeah i um i kind of totally agree with danny there where uh it did make the racing weekend feel longer in a good way uh it was fun having something to watch on friday something cool to watch on saturday and then a real race on sunday uh usually like i only check out quali and then the race um and it was kind of cool like and race starts are usually the most exciting part of races uh and so it was fun to get a couple of those in weekend i didn't i don't think quality was diminished uh they were still giving it hell out there because it still mattered a lot uh where you started and yeah i think um it was like the the action did trail off a bit in the sprint race but i think that was partly yeah guys being okay with where they had ended up but also so like that's Silverstone too. Like it, we saw a similar lull in the uh, Grand Prix where the field just spreads out and it becomes harder and harder to run close uh, at this at the circuit. It happened at around the same point uh, in the GP. It's just that it reconverges uh, around pit stops and the end of a uh, of a real race, whereas that doesn't happen in a sprint. Uh, so I'm super interested to see more of this format. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think we can say it's like a smashing success, but I think, I think you, you'd be really stretching to call it, uh, anything in the vicinity of a failure. Yeah, I agree. I I think it was, um, you know, frenetic and fun to watch. Um, and I think what I'm still kind of grappling with is like, it, it seems like a superfluous inclusion um, but it's not, like you said, Danny, it's not totally strategically bankrupt. Like there are things to watch for in here. You you don't know how risky people are going to be. Um, everyone ha- kind of has a, a different calculation there, especially someone like, you know, Russell, who's, um, uh, can, can taste points. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I, I want to see more. I think though, because we can't call this a failure immediately, I think that points to F1 going like, all right, we're doing it. Can I, can you, I say one thing actually? Or not. One thing that doesn't really apply to us, perhaps, if you were there, how much cooler was that? Yeah. Because you got two, you got a race on a Saturday, a real race that was shorter. Like, and you could see it. Like, the, I mean, it's well, different times, right? Ex- exceptional times right now. Those people hadn't seen a race in Silverstone in two years. And to that... But, Danny, so often the issue with GPs is the race promoters and the exhibitors yes. can't make a go of it. 
Um, it becomes such an economically like unviable thing to do to host a GP. Totally. Uh, if you can, especially on the earlier days, yes. Like Fridays so if you and increase Saturdays. the value of the all, like of the three day pass and like create something for people to go and like spring for Friday tickets, uh, Saturday tickets. Um, this could maybe fingers crossed open up uh, some venues that have not been really able to uh, m- like maintain the fees required to to host yeah. the event or, or help these ones out because there was even you know sort of there was a bit of back paddock chatter this weekend about how Silverstone would have been in a lot of trouble if they had, again had no people at this at this event like they signed that five-year contract again we almost lost Silverstone in yeah. 2019 right they 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 re-signed and you know thankfully at least this year it looks like they've made some money well speaking of making moves and making money let's get to the race as we mentioned <clears throat> i'm not gonna go through the whole grid but for Stappen, we'll start from the pole position and hamilton right behind him do you want to take us through the start danny okie dokie um good starts for both of them um uh on the start finish straight last time obviously lewis didn't have a great start and hamilton did uh hamilton has the inside line going into the first turn um and sort of has it but verstappen uh you know shuts the door they're not too fighty around there um it's in this little arena section um that hamilton takes a really there's a really good line to take here if you can basically counter line the driver in front of you pretty easily here because once you exit um the the loop which is the second turn of uh of that arena section and then you're basically taking that left hander onto the wellington straight um you're kind of you're just easing up the throttle and the exit there is super super important especially when drs is in play it obviously isn't here but verstappen takes a slightly more defensive line hamilton sort of takes the more natural one uses a bit more of the curb and as they're going down that straight he has him he has verstappen by the time they're halfway down that straight hamilton's in front of him and then i think I, i would really love to see the onboard of this they got within a millimeter of each other verstappen's front wing and hamilton's I think it was rear left, were so close. And perhaps due to the... I think Verstappen was setting himself up for the left-hander here because obviously the, the cornering speed on the Red Bull is way better. They just have more uh, downforce or more grip. And as they enter that corner, it looks like both of them sort of have f- favorable lines, but Verstappen just takes the place back. He just like, by the time they hit the outer end of the apex, he's back ahead of Hamilton. So it's a super overtake, but also whisker thin margin on that on that pass um it's a sort of a moot point though based on what happens next so as they are going down they they, they hamilton's once again following around woodcott they're on the back straight um or sorry on the on the old pit straight um before they enter that section again right cops is coming up it's sort of the turn that hamilton backed out on in the sprint race it's the point it's the last chance saloon for hamilton both of them know this as well obviously as they enter maggots and beckets for stopping last time in a sprint race just disappeared and then you know the race doesn't become a first lap overtake race it becomes a whatever strategy race tire strategy race see what happens race safety car race we'll have to wait and see but as they're going down there hamilton defends he sort of makes a slight little double move defends up the inside and then pulls out wide hamilton with the slipstream uh and then taking that i guess that sort of inside line gets just about alongside Verstappen as they're entering cops, 
Both of them have their shoulders out. Neither one of them pulls back. The inevitable happens. Hamilton tags Verstappen. But this time, not the first time they've touched. This time, Verstappen is the one to suffer. Awful place to go off. One of the fastest turns on the calendar. Um, And I guess I never even saw how much runoff there was there. Because we do see overtakes here, but we don't see many crashes here. Um, He has a pretty nasty sideline shunt at something over 50 Gs um, into the wall there. And Hamilton somehow drives away unscathed in the front, in the lead. Yeah, I mean... (coughs) And now we talk about it for 50 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, All right, so let's... Let's go to Rob for take us through your thought process watching this and then. Well, should we just discuss the officiating here that happens? Because like I know this all happens after the restart because the race is red flagged. Uh, Verstappen yes. so hard into the wall and the barrier uh, is effectively demolished for the moment. Like it needs to be sort of patched back together. Uh, should we discuss all of this in the context of what the FA actually did? Sure. Okay. So. Cool thing. We, we've seen this feature a couple times. We can now hear the team's comms to Michael Massey, uh, the race director. And immediately we hear Christian Horner uh, on the on the horn to uh, Michael Massey, basically saying anyone who's ever been around this track knows you do not stick a wheel up the inside of cops. Uh, what is he talking about? Dude. What is he talking about? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> a kind of remarkable statement, especially if you watch any sports car racing. Um, But nevertheless, uh, so he's taking, he sets, he he takes this really uh, extreme angle, which is that that's just not done here. Like that's an irresponsible move to even contemplate, uh, which is probably going a bit far. Um, Meanwhile, uh, you hear Hamilton, his radio message to Mercedes was for public consumption, but also I think was genuinely his his reaction because this is what I saw. He was like he just he just turned into me, which was my initial read on it as well. Like Verstappen cutting across, um, it did appear to be not egregious, but he did come in on Hamilton and he kind of tagged himself. Uh, this is kind of the angle that Mercedes takes uh, when they talk to the FIA. Uh, and then we hear the sporting director of Red Bull uh, talking to Michael Massey again. Um, and very. Um, okay. My, Michael Massey, who, by the way, who was not a steward. Yeah. He's just, it, they're just like <laughs> letting him know, just pass this along to the stewards. Um, and Michael Massey is very much just in full customer service mode. I agree. I understand completely what you are saying. I understand how you feel. I validate your reaction. Uh, it's it's all this like, but I'm not actually going to commit or agree with anything. Uh, that's, that's why it's in the hands of the stewards, because it is, you're right, it is an incident. Yeah. Uh, the sporting director of Red Bull, I think, gets on there and is like, I'm quite cross when I watch this footage. It's just so, it's it's quite out of bounds. Uh, just, just very, very much a uh, English public school is the, boy. Uh, is the whining. angle here? Because obviously he's not in charge of whatever penalty. Is the anger? Is there something he can't? Can he pull Hamilton out of the race? Is that what he's like? Can he black flag Hamilton? Is that what they're saying? Like, what's? Because I don't understand why they were calling him. Because the stu- I don't think the stewards are like listening in 
to the feeds as well and and like making decisions based on the whims of the, the so there must have been some reason right why they were doing or was that all pr as well we should also mention by the way that max has gotten out of the car at this stage so it looks there's no really punch drunk uh he does he, he does he's, he's standing though he's yeah. he's walking around and standing but he does look like he's he's hurting yeah and we don't hear the radio stuff until later yeah i don't know i so i know that michael massey i i think in the past at least the directors had latitude about what they refer what he refers to the stewards right um i don't know if that extends to a bit like a judge deciding whether or not to admit evidence with a message i don't think it does work that way i don't think michael massey is like a judge who's like and here's how this should be interpreted the stewards aren't the jury they are the judge and the jury um either way there is a there there is a sort of um uh, a way of operating in in f1 that you as a team you want to point out every infraction against you because uh otherwise the stewards might miss it and so that's you can kind of it, it seems like people complain a lot, right. um, which they do. But also what they're doing by complaining over the radio is flagging it for um, race control. Yeah, but it's so, not redundant. here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, everyone saw this, but I well, think maybe to your point, Rob, like maybe they're like, uh, oh, we need to hammer home that this was dangerous. And Hamilton right. sh- maybe just suggesting should get black flagged. Yeah, and they would double down on this angle after the race. Uh, by the way, yeah. to the point where they push it to, uh, we went from zero to, and the racism has begun uh, in the space of a day, uh, because Red Bull did take this attitude that, like, my God, Hamilton tried to kill Max, uh, yeah. which is patently bullshit. Um, and so this is, in the end, they handed down a ten-second penalty. Now, since it's not near the end of the race, this is going to be served in the pits. Um, as Brundle pointed out a few times, this is the second most lenient thing they could have done. The other most lenient being the five-second penalty. Uh, but they did. But they did agree uh, that it was worth a penalty. They did get into the nitty-gritty of this incident and decide that there was some case for fault here. Um, and we saw Kroon Chandok try to sort of like figure out what the reasoning would be. And I think he gives us what the closest, I think Karun probably gave us a very good uh, discussion of what the stewards probably saw, which is that. So Hamilton's line, he can't quite make the apex. He is under steering through the corner. Verstappen does turn in on Hamilton, sees him. If you, if you break it down, he does see him. He, uh, makes his turn a little shallower to leave Hamilton some room. It's still not enough. Hamilton is uh, is is he cannot turn in more. Uh, he's just going to understeer through this line and sort of uh, close the wedge on Max. So they touch. Max goes flying. If when also when you break it down, Hamilton's argument that it was that I was alongside him or that uh, it was Hamilton's corner doesn't really hold up. Max is still ahead, has a more, a bit, like just a little bit, uh, and has the better racing line. Arguably, it's Max's corner. On the other hand, uh, it's also clear that Lewis has a viable gap that he is entitled to go for. Uh, So if you had to put it down, Max tries to uh, avoid a collision a bit, 
Uh, Lewis kind of can't because uh, of what his car is doing and the the angle he's chosen. Uh, and the result is a 180 mile an hour shunt uh, with with Verstappen going off. However, as everyone sort of points out, this is good racing. Like, there's nothing in this that says like either of these guys was irresponsible or yeah. uh, was doing some sort of like give them the chrome horn horn type thing uh, where like it's a it's a takeout move. Uh, it's just the racing was really contested, and this is how it shook out. My other point is this. Stappen's corner car, you could see visibly, Danny, when you alluded to when he when he cut back uh like around the inside uh of Hamilton, sort of undercut him through that corner, that Red Bull had a lot of viable racing lines through corners that the Mercedes clearly did not. Like yeah, the, for sure. the cornering ability of those cars was very different. And so like Verstappen left him a bit of room, but he could in my view, he probably even had a little more space that he could have left Hamilton or he could have gotten out of it safely and maybe uh, kept the kept the fight going a bit. Um, Hamilton, meanwhile, was on the very edge of what that car could do. Uh, and like. And this is kind of where I, I come down. Verstappen had, again, not overly aggressively, but he put up a very stiff defense he had cut Hamilton off a lot. There is a point as a driver where you are kind of forced to choose, like, am I going to be bullied off this line or not? And there's a lot of value in signaling that you are not going to yield those racing lines uh, in the future. So don't try this move. Um, and I think that's kind of what Hamilton, like Hamilton had to force it for two reasons. It was his best shot at the race. And if he didn't force it there, Verstappen would always know that he can shut the door like that. And uh, and and Hamilton would not be able to use lines like that. Um, so and we have seen this year in like this is not uncommon. We've yeah. seen it with teammate with like it's a it's a it's a Vettel Weber. It's, you know, Schumacher and everyone. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Hamilton it, Rosberg. Like, Hamilton Rosberg. Yeah, exactly. The you know, and there have been plenty of instances with them, too. I feel like. Uh, the thing that I'm disappointed about with this, and I think this 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 got set by the team radios that Rob was talking about, but the the tone got set, is that this became very antagonistic very quickly in what was otherwise something that you could call a racing incident. To me, it felt close to the racing incident, but I was also in a situation where I was like, if they penalize Hamilton for this, I totally see it. Like, I, I want there to be this type of racing. It was, there's a... I know it's easy after the fact to say this. There was an air of an inevitability around this considering the amount of times that they have touched. It's always been low-speed corners generally, but like we saw the the track limits thing at Bahrain, right, where Hamilton pushed him out. Um, we had the, the touch in Imola at the start of the track, which messed up Hamilton's race a lot. Like, usually Hamilton has been the one that has suffered from this. Um, I think the difference in this situation is this one was really fast. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the crash was nasty. We don't like seeing that. Um Christian Horner came on saying very inflammatory stuff, which he's used to, but like just outright like lying. Like that's nonsense. I don't know that much about racing. The idea that you don't overtake around cops is complete farce. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. It happened twice more in this race by Hamilton. That on was his own. so funny like, at the end when Hamilton wins the race by overtaking a cop. By overtaking on cops, yeah. It's like, how do you not overtake on cops? It's it's a it's a high speed turn after a high speed turn entering a high speed turns. In what world are you not overtaking? Like it's just whatever anyway but but for me 
the thing that I'm just most disappointed about is that there were people right away saying, oh, that's definitely Hamilton's fault. It was irresponsible driving. You know, Verstappen was an innocent bystander. Verstappen knew that that was the corner where this race was going to come down to. He also knew that Hamilton was way racier this time because he was ahead of him on the previous straight. He also knew that once they get into maggots and beckets, he'll be able to get away from there. So he knows he has to defend that corner. How much he wants to defend that corner is ultimately up to Max. I wonder if Max five years from now would take a wider line outside of that. It's actually really tricky. If, if Hamilton's not ahead by the time they're entering Maggots and Beckett's, Verstappen has it. You can't really overtake there. You have to pull out because if you don't get a good line entering Maggots, you just get slower you don't through have, every corner. You're slower through every corner and then you're onto the longest straight on the track. You know what I mean? So, which also at the end of the straight has a pretty fast turn. So you, you don't sacrifice speed entering those turns. So that's Leclerc, we'll talk about later, was in a different situation because the tires were worn and ultimately he ran out wide and actually had a bit of opposite lock. But with Verstappen, I was thinking, oh, it's a shame he didn't go a little bit wider out there. Like people are saying Hamilton's line would have taken him out this way. Yeah, but there's there's runoff there. So for me, the most disappointing thing was that, you know, on the blameometer, if pointing up is racing incident and like there's a Hamilton gauge to the right and a, and a Verstappen one, to me, it was like the blame was like between racing incident and Hamilton. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think Verstappen is at fault. I think he obviously had a partner and could have prevented the crash, but also it's complete happenstance that like both of them didn't go out. You know what I mean? Let me just toss They're this lucky. in here too. Um, sometimes I think the pendulum swings where it's like there is a there is an era in motorsport where like they tr- they're trying to sell the wrecks a little bit too much. I don't think this is this is where yeah. we are at. But sometimes there's this like reflexive um, like. Just self-critical, like, oh, we just hate to see accidents. Oh, you just you never like to see this. Well, if you don't like seeing two guys like duking it out for the lead of a race and inches apart, and then one of them goes off and and into a wall, um, then racing probably isn't for you. Like, if you think this, because what you're saying is then nobody should just be doing this because that is that is the risk. Like, you can mitigate it as much as possible, but the fact that somebody gets taken out uh, in a wheel-to-wheel duel doesn't mean that what happened was somehow just like, this is not what racing is supposed to be. No, it's pretty much exactly what racing is supposed to be. Like, you're in cars. Uh, occasionally, one of them, you're going to lose one of them. Um, the job of, like, the sport... And the engineering is to make that as safe as possible. We aren't being like, oh, yeah, that was sick. I love I love it when they when they wreck. <laughs> um, but one, like a lot of times the most dangerous incidents happen not in these kinds of duels. Uh, they happen. They're, they're much flukier. Uh, and and two, the fact that like Max couldn't continue in the race uh, and that, that his 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 race was ended there. I don't think invalidates the fact that that was good racing or that like Hamilton won- ended up like winning this race fairly like this, this yeah. notion that like, you know, we just want all the cars to, to complete. And that's, that's really the most important thing. The yeah, drivers kind of choose how much each moment matters. Um, and Verstappen and Hamilton both picked their moment knowing they might not finish the race because of it. Yeah, and that was the last turn, arguably. And it's hard to, like, predict the future. But there were some people also saying, like, oh, we would have had, like, lap after lap battles if that had... Like, that's not how this works. Like, if 
if they're racing that fast, lap after lap after lap, Bottas wins the race because they both <laughs> shred their tires. Leclerc was already you know, getting in there. He had, we, totally, we forgot so, this. He, he ate up uh, Bottas right at the start. And yeah. when this happened, Leclerc was knocking on the door. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I thought that, yeah, he, I, I, he ends up being first, yeah. right? as a result like exiting because uh, and also the red flag was called pretty quickly so it just shows you how those if you have a bad line into those corners you're not going to get it but yeah like what would have happened after this if first happened it stayed on the track all of the precedent and data and what we've seen so far would suggest that he probably would have gotten a second gap on hamilton in that in sector three and then we would have been in a different race. And it is a shame because at least we would have had him there. In this scenario, not only do we have one Red Bull that's out, and obviously Max, we're glad to see, seems to be okay. He went to the hospital. He definitely had, I think that was the worst crash of his career. Um, For him, he's out. Perez is swimming around the back. He's just exited the pit lane. So we have basically nothing stopping Mercedes from winning this race, which, of course, if you are someone who is sick of Mercedes winning races, specifically Hamilton, I can totally see how your emotions would be, fuck, why did this happen? Like, ah, it's the worst case scenario. Max is the only thing that's stopping these races from being competitive. Um, But when you're looking at these incidents, like the way we look at these uh, incidents, the way penalties are handed down, you have to divorce them of all that circumstance. It has nothing to do with who the driver was, or like, unless they're like ramming into someone or something and it's based on, it's obviously like based on some feud, but we, that, that only happens in fantasy. So you have to take all that stuff out of the occasion and just look at what was going on with these fat cars, coal tires. To me, if they had both gotten around cops, it would have been one of the greatest like starts to a race battles we have had in years. Mm-hmm. And it's a sport of millimeters. And they managed to do it the whole way around. And on the last turn where they were going to be battling wheel to wheel, it the millimeter closed. And that's all it was. And and that was enough to to put it out. But I, I just I don't as 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 impactful as this will be on the season, obviously, it's an inflection point. They chewed up a lot of points, as we'll talk about later. It's a big moment, but it's the nastiness that's following off the back of this. What is otherwise a fairly normal racing incident, all things considered. We've seen this crash a thousand times. It happens all the time. It doesn't happen to Max. It doesn't happen at that speed. It doesn't happen when the battles happen, when the points are the way they are. But I just, it's all the vitriol and all that stuff that's coming from And it became behind. a mobilizer totally fandom moment, which is always top. Totally. Like, so, gee, and what Christian do you know? Within Horner 24 is hours, we've got everyone issuing statements, we oppose racism. When this could have been a moment where it's like, F1 is great. What a, what a moment. Yeah. Instead, both teams were like, you know what we need to do? We need to go win a PR war over whose fault this is. Uh, totally. Red Bull started yeah. that. They did. That's the thing. Like, I don't think Toto or, you know, with his emails or any of that stuff. We just I don't think their, their hands Max are clean either. Can we just skip ahead what? to that? Did we see his to message? his Instagram post? Yeah, yeah. This is. I also hate all this of this. Was, like, this was the most like, like you're a punk. Okay, like don't do this shit. Uh, so that evening, Hamilton wins. Wins this. Goes on to win this Spoilers. race. Um, <laughs> Verstappen goes on Instagram. First of all, I'm glad I'm okay. It was quite an impact at 51G, but feeling better. Obviously very disappointed being taken out like this. The penalty given does not help us in any way and doesn't do justice to the dangerous move Lewis made on track. 
Watching the celebrations after the race while still in hospital is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behavior. But we move on. I, I, he needs to, I'm, I won't, I want to curse again. That is totally like, I understand if someone is in hospital and, but that is so inflammatory and unnecessary as if it, the same thing happens in Zandvoort that the, as if, if it happened in Austria, he just had two races in Austria, which is basically a home race with all of everyone cheering him on. Like, are you absolutely kidding me? <laughs> Somebody like, replied, oh, gonna remember this when Max crashes Lewis out in Zandvoort and gleefully jumps into a sea of orange shirts. And it's like, yes, <laughs> like, this is, this is the sport. Like, Yes, guys get driven, like guys crash out, they're driven to the hospital, the race goes on, life moves on. That is the world and that is racing. Uh, what is what, what is the alternative here that Hamilton sort of piously gets out of the car and says, I'm sorry I killed Max? <laughs> like, what, the, what does he want? Like, because, like, in this scenario, by the way, Hamilton doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He thinks that it's a racing incident. I think it's a racing ask. incident. Half of the... People watching the race, like all the drivers, Brundle, half the people in the paddock, yeah. ex-drivers, what they all think it's racing. Like it's, it, it, I get that he got the penalty, but it's not. It isn't what Max is talking about. That he got pushed off of, and you know, it's not like penalties are meant to be restorative justice for what happens with the points situation. You know what I mean? It's like that's completely inconsequential. Sorry, Drew. Yeah, well, he he does ask uh, if Max is okay pretty soon after the crash. So it's not like again, it's not this whole like. Uh, to feign shock that Hamilton would race hard is totally disingenuous. Uh, I, I think we can't look at this in, um, I think it's proper to adjudicate incidents like this in a vacuum, but for the driver's perspective, they don't race in a vacuum, right? There is a championship on the line here. Hamilton is 32 points behind going into this. And for Stappen, no race. It's his home it's race. His home race. England have just lost the European Cup. It's the first <laughs> time. Like all, like I'm not. It, it, it sounds silly, but like all of this is true. The stands are packed full of big sports, uh, English sports fans, British fans as well. Of course, like it is. Like he wants to win this race more than he wants to win probably any race for the past like three or four years. Like yeah. this is the race he wants to win. This and the one that he lost that gave Rosberg the championship. These, these and, are the biggies. And Verstappen knows this. He knows Hamilton is going to fight him hard. Um, and so I, I think they both elected to risk a crash here. Totally. By the rule book, it was Hamilton's fault. And he was awarded a penalty. Case closed. Closed. Well, totally. One last thing. Do you think if it goes the other way, they penalize Max? Because I think they do. I think if he closes the door, if he turns it on Lewis that way, and Lewis is the one who spun off and Max continues, I have a suspicion the way they are calling these things, it appears to be if you did not do enough to evade the incident that happened, we will try to like level the outcome a little bit like, i wonder I think, because it definitely was max's corner like i know lewis i think lewis was close enough and this is where i think the gray area comes in where i'm like it could be racing incident it could be hamilton's fault but it's not max's i think it was a max's corner the entire time and hamilton did get alongside him but in a very in a disadvantageous position right like it wasn't it wasn't the line that he would have wished for going kind through of forced that, into that line with defensive yeah like, it's, that's, it's not quite the i broke late thing yeah. later than you thing but it's kind of a little bit that so so i i'm not so sure but 
but to what you said about the Russell incident perhaps earlier on, like I, I can see it this year more than previous years, definitely. So um, the other thing is this 10 second penalty sets us up for a great race. Like I'm here yes. for it. Like, is it a little bit artificial? Are we rubber banding the field a little bit? Maybe <laughs> does, does it break the processional that Silverstone sometimes turns into? Absolutely. It gave us another, like the race began great. It ended great because of a penalty. Uh, so everything, I don't know if it's working as intended, but as someone who enjoys watching good racing on Sunday, it is working for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just just to put uh, a cap on, on my point about the, the, the bigger picture here, what I understand the least about this is the Verstappen, again, was 32 points ahead in the championship. So why risk it? Especially because his car was performing so well at this track in the sprint it, and it's this kind of not race craft but i guess championship craft that i think may have a bearing on verstappen's long-term future i mean there's no doubt that this kid has a championship in him but does he have seven in him like hamilton can he see the big picture in that way i don't know i'll, I'll bet he can learn to but I don't know if he's there yet. Well, so Hamilton like has had a for many of these years has had a car that is just simply, you know, a couple of lengths faster than any other car in the field. I think there have been instances like obviously Alan Prost has mentioned a lot as the you know the professor who no matter what always made sure that he scored points and the points were different back then too. So you kind of you really needed to like coming first wasn't as advantageous perhaps as it is now they've mixed that stuff up a little bit to sort of create that battle at the front and i'm with you i do think that in you know retrospect it's easier to say that obviously than it is to say that they shouldn't fight every every turn but i i do think that this was this was one of those places where yeah maybe you give that little bit more i i although i find it impossible to to criticize him because I think that they were millimeters away yeah. from this being a perfectly perfect yeah. great corner. So like he fought really well. They both fought really well. Hamilton, you know, d- did have a little bit of uh, understeer. Like it, it's so it's hard to say. But I, I'm with you in that. Like this was a disastrous weekend for Red Bull, and I get why Christian Horner is angry, and I get why Max is angry because all they've done all this year, this was a bad one. This blew up in their face. Um, but yeah, like. I guess the question is going forward for the next... There's a lot of races this year. We have 23 races, hopefully, if they fill the whole thing out. So one race isn't going to settle this championship by any means. But the the way that they leave this, if they leave this thinking, well, we have to fight them every single corner, I think you're right. I think this is this could be the start of Verstappen basically owning himself and, and losing a championship. Or if they think oh, man. we need to be strategic about this sort of stuff more... We need to win the races that our car because we they know which they know which circuits their car is going to win at. Like it's 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 there. That kind of recontextualizes. So, so after the race, Hamilton gives an interview and they try to do the does it does it cheapen the result at all knowing that Max like didn't get to finish? And he's like, No, love it. Totally happy to win this race. <laughs> but then he also said Max doesn't need to be as aggressive as he is. He's just so aggressive. And this took, takes me back. And this part I did find a bit unfair. Max is not the driver he was three years ago. He has become mm-hmm. a much more measured driver. I think actually anything his racecraft yeah. tends to be on the cleaner side now of yeah. F1. I would rather have Max alongside me in a corner than like Charles, uh, certainly. 
Um, like I, I, like I don't dislike Max's style of driving, uh, but I don't think Hamilton likes him very much. I think he didn't like him when, when Max is fairly new to the sport and he was much more aggressive. I think he still views him as a bit of a hothead, but talking about that, like Max's judgment, I do wonder is, is Hamilton playing the man a little bit the same way he got under Vettel's skin and arguably changed the trajectory of Vettel's career. Uh, in the process of getting under his skin is that sort of post race. Like Max is just kind of a, you know, he's just, he doesn't need to do that stuff. Is he setting up? Like I can see Max going on tilt uh, from this. I, I do think, I don't think he did anything wrong in this race. And I do think it was a risk worth running. Cause I think if he had, uh, if he had shut Hamilton down there and he notched another win, I think that would have been a backbreaking result uh, for, yeah. for yeah. Mercedes and Hamilton. Like, I think that would have just been, we had the faster car on the track because we ran no fucking wing. Um, we like we this was our shot, and Max like runs away with it. I think that was a, wor- a risk worth running, but the way it panned out, it couldn't have been worse. Like basically, he undid a tremendous amount of the work he's done in the last like two races. The gloves are off. I'm looking forward to the next race but in this one leclerc inherits the lead we get a safety car quickly followed by a red flag we get that incredible lobbying from red bull and mercedes toto says uh michael i sent you an email (laughs) messy just goes toto i don't check my email during the race (laughs) i have to concentrate Uh, on the race (laughs) yeah hamilton uh as you flagged danny had some damage um that they repaired during the red flag And had they not been able to do that, evidently, um, they would have had to retire his car. So very fortuitous. Uh, We get a standing restart on lap four. You want to quickly take us through that? Yeah, Leclerc does a, has a good start, manages to to get up a pretty tasty um, gap going into or out of the arena. Um, There's a there's a little bit of shifting in the back of the field. I'm trying to see who it is exactly who gets past. I think it's Vettel gets overtaken by signs at the back. But then the biggest incident that happens here is Vettel just, I don't know, man, just cold everything or just on the throttle too fast. But he loses it, um, I guess, on Luffield. Uh, He sort of almost spins into the old pit lane or into the other pit lane rather um, and ends up at the back of the field, uh, basically just kind of ruining his uh, his race. Uh, there's no fighting into cops by the leaders on this one. We've we've had enough of that, I guess. Um, but there's a little bit of overtaking further back at the field around there. I think it was Alonso uh, trying to get around Lando um, on cops uh, back there. So, uh, but they're they're all sort of settled in at this stage. There's no more big incidents. Um, uh, Ricardo, I think the- it was Norris beat uh, Botas off the line. So Botas is over two on starts. Oh yes, Silverson? you're right. Yeah, Norris yep. in third at this stage, uh, which uh, they don't necessarily need if they're going to try and win a long race. It would be nice to have uh, have a little bit of a Mercedes pack there, but I guess they don't. Yes, a little bit of drama around lap 15. Leclerc getting engine cuts, uh, but you know they give him some dial to change, and that I guess fixes it. Um, and then I didn't see this in the race, but uh, on one of the onboard videos on F1's YouTube channel, which I will link. Um, Lap 22, Stroll drives under the helicopter and it buffets his car. And he's like, whoa, check the car. You're kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ground effect. What do we call that? What, yeah. What's or down, down wash, sure. down wash or something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll link that too. Um, 
Also, Vettel yeah, stopped spinning doesn't have the car often. challenge. <laughs> Just <laughs> it is an unfortunately characteristic spin. Uh, it's it's kind of this new Vettel. Yeah. Oh, and just lap nine, we do get news. Helmut Marco is in the pits saying Hamilton should be should receive a one race ban. Forgot that detail that Helmut Marco was oh, out there. You know, this guy should just be banned from racing. Doctor. Helmut. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyer doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Red Bull just covering themselves in, in, in grease. I, guess. I know. Yeah. God, I like, and I, I, I wanted Verstappen to win this race. Like, I was, I was, or at least there to be a fight right until the end. You know, I want to create that gap. But dude, do I have a bad taste in my mouth about Red Bull coming out of this one? Yeah, it's they like, don't make it well, easy. I still love Checo, but like, yeah, I hopefully we've a we've we've a gap here, right before Hungary. So hopefully they'll chill out a bit. So. Bottas's race appeared to be in a bit of a bit of trouble. McLaren has downplayed the impact of this, but uh, Norris was in a really like cherry spot, I would say, in this race. And then he had that pit stop. Uh, was that did we have a couple pit stops where wheels were, were hard to get off? Were, were they sort yeah. of theorizing that like it might just be because everyone was talking about just the like crazy heat uh, just so radiating yeah. off that track? Uh, everything was everything was running hot. Um, did the heat make it so that like things were getting jammed and stuck? But like Norris ended up with a six second uh, pit stop, not by, by by blown F1 pit stop standards. That's getting off light, but it was enough to let Botas uh, through, uh, and and did cost him a lot of like critical track position and put him under th- imminent threat from Hamilton, uh, who was charging uh, following his uh, like ten second stop. Yeah, he made the move then on 31, I think it was. Hamilton got past Norris and then starts hunting uh, him down. Yeah, at yeah. Cops, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I have to bounce out, gentlemen. I have a dad thing to do. Glad we got to talk about it. Can't you just be like, sweetie, daddy has to talk about Silverstone. I got to talk about F1. I don't, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. This is sorry. this is what pays for a small fraction of your of your child rearing. Speaking of, the one thing I want to do before I leave this, this, Read out this the sponsors. week's episode. Exactly. I totally forgot. Jason Kelly, Will Rumpf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon, Reagan, Sam G, Comer McManners, Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, Jack Ben, Greg Salt. BPM went for Bosses Pester Massey. Very good. <laughs> Juice Stewart, Lika, Simon Villeneuve, Pierce Draper, and our new sponsor, David Mule. Thank you all so much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast, gents. I'll talk to you next week. All righty. Danny out. And that's, we're almost at the end here. Uh, lap 40, Botas is told to invert the cars, giving second place to Hamilton so that he can try to close down Leclerc's gap of nearly nine seconds in 12 laps. Uh, and 10 laps later, Hamilton has caught up and passes once again at Cops. Uh, Leclerc dives deep to stay ahead. Um, but uh, he, he doesn't turn in for the apex like Verstappen did, but does go off track. Uh, so Hamilton squeezes by. Yeah, I will say like the, the one difference between this move uh, and what had happened earlier is that Leclerc clearly had so little left on those tires. Uh, the cops was a much easier pass now for Hamilton because all he had to do was take some kind of line uh, through the corner. Leclerc couldn't negotiate any of them. Uh, at speed at, at that point um so he'd been what's funny is like hamilton's conviction that he was not closing on leclerc uh that persisted for like every lap of his pursuit until basically he was on his ass uh it just goes to show how 
subjective the experience of driving these cars is um because he he was just like gouging time out of eclair and he was convinced that like man this isn't gonna work guys yeah um but it does he gets up there and uh the the last <laughs> the last bit that happens is that perez who's running in 10th pits uh sacrificing a point for himself to set fastest lap and steal it from hamilton so even though Perez doesn't get, he's outside of the top 10, so he does not get a point for the fastest lap. Because he has it, that means Hamilton does not. So just real, mm, just, it's 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 strategic because it's one point, but it's also very petty and uh, yeah. it's very Red Bull. So love it. But the results for the British Grand Prix after all of that, what a packed weekend. Hamilton on top, cutting the 32-point deficit to Verstappen to just eight points charlotte claire comes home in second and valtteri botas rounds out the podium lando norris in fourth daniel ricardo finishing fifth i think his best for the season uh carlos signs uh comes home in sixth a good uh you know recovery from his um troubles in the sprint race fernando alonso in seventh had a great weekend lance stroll in eighth esteban ocon in ninth and yuki Tsunoda getting the last point in 10th behind them ghastly Russell in 12th, Giovinazzi, Latifi, Raikkonen in 15th, Perez finished 16th, then we've got Mazepin, Schumacher, and then the two DNFs of Vettel and Verstappen. Verstappen, as racefans.net points out, the first driver to score points without completing a lap in a Grand Prix. Points being from the sprint race. So that's Britain. Uh, Of course, as you mentioned, Rob, Hamilton has gotten worse than comments about his racing over this, including a rash of racist messages online. Uh, Ahead of this weekend, the Hamilton Commission, which is a body that Lewis Hamilton set up to examine diversity in motorsport, released a report that they've been working on for 10 months. Uh, In short, the report highlights the drastic disparities in the sport and makes a lot of suggestions to F1 and motorsport in general. Uh, and considering this reaction is sorely needed. Um, <clears throat> we did see widespread condemnation of this racist abuse from F1, the teams and the FIA, which I will say is the bare minimum, but is perhaps something we would not have seen even a few years ago. I, you know, I think about around, um, uh, you know, the George Floyd incident i think about will buxton being surprised that um hamilton suggested that there was racism in the paddock uh that seems pretty hard to brush aside now so hopefully things like the hamilton commission keep this pressure up uh, and hopefully f1 continues to take step steps in the in the right direction uh they did announce some baby steps on the heels of this commission report uh announcing a scholarship and an internship plan. This is from Autosport. Ten Formula One engineering scholarships will be made available for students from, quote, underrepresented groups, including ethnic minorities, women, and those from underprivileged backgrounds, covering the full cost of tuition, as well as providing a living stipend. All 10 F1 teams have committed to provide work experience opportunities to a scholar during their time at university, uh, with partner institutions being based across the UK and Italy. F1 itself will replace... Uh, or sorry, will place from underrepresented groups two apprentices in long-term spots this year, uh, along with six interns in a, in a mix of short and long-term spots. So 
Uh, it's a start, but for me, they've got some ground to make up after bumbling the we race as one and the kneeling stuff. So, Rob, what's your This is the part that makes me nervous is um, so much of this pressure comes from Hamilton uh, because Hamilton is who he is and he's achieved what he's achieved. Um, I've seen like stories like, you know, and I think I alluded to this, some of the discourse around like, uh, you know, is 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 F1 ready for like, can can F1 survive like Hamilton's retirement as F1? I think there's a lot of people in F1 to be happy, like we'll be happy to see Hamilton leave. Uh, both because it's it's easier <laughs> to to race uh, if he's not there being the final boss of F1, but also I think there's a lot of people who don't like. I think there's a lot of people who are insincere about their interest or concern uh, in these issues. Hamilton being uh, in the position he's in make can make those an agenda item that people have to respond to. Um, I do wonder, you know. Three years after he retires, does F1 talk about this stuff at all? Um, and my suspicion is no. Like they will continue to file uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, you know, reports, same as every large corporate entity. But will it actually like be an urgent priority? I don't know. I think We Races One was kind of illuminating insofar as seeing F1's capacity to both. Uh, meaningfully act and maintain focus uh, on on issues like this. Um, so, I think it's it's valuable work that Hamilton is doing, and uh, the report is valuable. I am less convinced by the way it's been received. Yes, um, yeah, we shall we shall see. I'll just run down the uh, driver standings here. As we head into the weekend, Max Verstappen is on top still with 185 points. Lewis Hamilton has 177. Lando Norris is in third with 113, followed by Valtteri Bottas with 108. Sergio Perez is in fifth with 104. Then a jump down to Charles Leclerc in sixth with 80. Sainz has 68. Ricardo has 50. Pierre Gasly has 39. And 10th place, Sebastian Vettel with 30. Uh, Fernando Alonso. Just behind with 26 points. Stroll has 18. Ocon has 14. Sunoda has 10. And then a tie for 15th between Raikkonen and his teammate Giovinazzi. Behind them, Russell, Schumacher, Latifi, and Mazepin all have zero. In Constructors, Red Bull is on top with 289. Mercedes has 285. And then McLaren in third with 163. Ferrari's in fourth with 148. Then a jump down to Alpha Tauri in fifth with 49. Aston Martin has 48. Alpine has 40. Then we've got Alfa Romeo at eighth with two. And Williams and Haas have zero. In our fantasy standings, you can join our fantasy league using the link in the show notes. Uh, we have from the British Grand Prix a United States lockout of the podium, a tie for second between uh, no tires, no problem. And the midfield push. But number one, Papaya Ding Dong. And overall standings we have from America, FLBL, parentheses, full bull in third. Number two, the Real Housewives of Monaco from the U.S. And number one, still on top from Canada, Ben Van Villeneuve. 
If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That is us around the internet. And now let's take it around the world. Around the world. Around. Around. Okay. DTM? Is that the lousy ring? This weekend? Very exciting. Uh, Formula E has two races in London. It, and then like, I, I didn't look too hard at this, but I think the the track goes indoors for a little bit in like a parking garage or something. That's going to be wild. I will just toss this in. If I were in charge of F1, it would probably keep me up at night that someone like Jeff Gersman uh, appeared, like I, listening to the latest uh, Giant Bomb, uh, that's a video game podcast that Danny uh, is on. Jeff is a guy who does not seem to care much about racing and, and is pretty games focused. He knew a surprising amount about Formula E and nothing about Formula One. And huh. that intrigues me. You know what I mean? Like how yeah. like something about Formula E is breaking through uh, with people that like F1 is not. And I am very curious how or why that is. Uh, and it seems like something that like, uh, you know. Formula E is doing something right, and maybe Formula One is doing is getting something wrong. I mean, I I could see Jeff being uh, excited about fan boost. And, oh yeah, he like, loved the that attack shit. zone. Yeah, yeah, like that's it's so silly and it's it's very video gamey. So that's <laughs> yeah, Formula E is great. Uh, we've also got the World Superbike Championship in Assen in the Netherlands for two races. Uh, the World Rally Cross Championship is at Barcelona Catalunya circuit. And finally, the Motocross Grand Prix of the Czech Republic is happening this weekend in uh, Locket, I believe is the town. Um, yeah, n- there's no NASCAR this weekend, which is weird. They're all taking a break. Um, but yeah, final thoughts on the weekend, Rob. I love it. Like, <laughs> and even the parts that are bad, I kind of love. Like... Sometimes, and I think F1's kind of gone in this direction, because uh, for so long it hasn't really been a fight at the front, that we've had this long phase of people just being like, oh, just mutual respect. Like, we're all bros out there. Like, we just admire each other's racecraft, etc. I have been more than ready for a bit of a return to, like, dudes just getting their hate on. Um, and I don't know that we're there yet. I think to a degree, the fact that this blew up in uh, Red Bull's faces so quickly um, might and probably should like tamp down tempers because when you're talking about Lewis Hamilton, um, like the same things will come across differently uh, than they would if you were talking about, uh, say, like Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, the, you, you cannot pretend the race element is not there. Um, so I don't know if we will see the same level of intensity, but I do hope what, what I'm looking forward to is a bit more of a sense of, uh, you know, it's all to play for every race. Like we are, we are going for the throat now, uh, because this is, this is a title fight. This, for all we know, this could be Red Bull's best chance to win a championship, uh, like in 10 years and there might not, and who knows what next year will bring with the new spec. Uh, so I am very excited to see sort of the gloves coming off 
um, and getting down to real F1 championship title title brawling, uh, which is this is what it tends to look like. Yeah, well said. Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Next week.